From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are my co-hosts, Mady Gelsman. Hello. And introducing Dan Legault. Hey, hey. We're going to talk about a very popular genre of party game this week. Something I refer to as who did what games. Any game where you're trying to guess who did what. But this is not like a whodunit sort of thing like Clue. This is something like, well, probably best to start with a little bit of history to give you a sense of uh, where this comes from. This began with a parlor game called Dictionary. To play Dictionary, all you needed was a nice big fat dictionary, some pencils, and some paper. You would open up the dictionary to a random page, pick a word that nobody's ever heard of before, read it out loud, everybody else makes up a phony definition for this word and writes it down, you write down the real definition, you pass the things in, you read them out, and everybody tries to guess which one is the real one. You score points if you guess correctly, and you score points every time other people think that yours was the real one. And if that sounds familiar, it's because some very enterprising folks put it in a box and sold it for 40 bucks a copy, and called it Balderdash, and uh, from there there have been a whole bunch of who did what games that have sprung up since then. Games where you're trying to guess who did what, who wrote what, who said what. Um, Dan, Mandy, have you guys ever been into these kinds of games before? Or? I actually am not a huge fan of them. Um, okay. I, I like them when they're going more on the uh, the personal um, user-created content level, where there's you know a little bit more going on that's a little more memorable about the game, but when it's just anything... So something like Say Anything? Where the say, yeah, Say Anything is a perfect example of that. Um, we'll come back to Say Anything in a little bit, but uh, what's, uh, what, what's, what sort of versions, uh, what sort of examples of this uh, game really don't do it for you, then? Um, anything that really, like, I'm not a huge fan of Cards Against Humanity, obviously, um, like many <laughs> of us at the cafe, a little bit. We're just kind um, of sick of it. It's not that it's necessarily not an entertaining it's, game, but... It's because the replay value is so it's, low. It's a matter yeah, of replay value for a lot of these How things. How many yeah. times are you going to see that same card about, you know, Glenn Beck's anatomy, or... I've become really jaded because none of them even make me giggle at this point. Yeah, well... But that's, again, that's a matter of overexposure, and uh, that's, that's certainly an issue. How about you, Matt? Do you play uh, Who Did What Games? I'm finding them. Um, I've been working at Snakes and Loggers, which is the sister bar to Snakes and Lattes, and mm. party games are really big there. Um, you know, everyone has a pint, and they want to play those kinds of games. We see a lot of Say Anything and Cards Against Humanity and Snake Oil. And... Makes sense. So uh, do you have any anything particular that you happen to like or happen to like to recommend? Um, I really enjoy Say, Say Anything. It's a fun game. People get to write... Um, with little dry erase markers, and that's kind of a little mechanic that's fun for them, and they get to figure out which of the friends yeah, is the most the crazy. That's the second one this one's come up. That's, say Anything's kind See, of a big deal. I, I think it's probably my favorite who did what game as well. Even that's missing a little bit for me, I find. Um, when you get to the, the sort of depth of the game where it's, okay, so I'm trying to say something that sounds like somebody else at the table to fool somebody. Um, that's no, about that's, as... that's, that's how it is in things. As you might have also heard of Things in a Box, it's another example of a game in this genre. In that one, there'll be uh, you'll draw a card and there'll be a thing on it, like things you leave in the fridge and forget were there, or things your parents never tell you, and everybody writes down one of those things, and you have to try to guess who wrote what, or who did what, or who said what. Say Anything kind of sidesteps that a little bit, because it's not a secret who said what, or who wrote what. Uh, well, it'll be a question, and I'll ask a question. In my opinion, what's the most overrated band of all time? Or in my opinion... If I could have a big anything, what would it be? And everybody else writes down an answer, but I know what you wrote, and I know what you wrote, and everybody knows what you wrote, but I'm going to pick my favorite one, and you guys are going to place bets on which one I picked. So that uh, sort of sidesteps the whole thing about you know, trying to trick somebody right. you know, in a way. But, uh, but not entirely, I suppose. I mean, do you, do you ever, do you, when you're playing anything, do you feel like you have to use some deception in there to try and 
I, I feel like any sort of game should have a little bit of that in it, you mm -hmm. know, just uh, just enough to throw it off. Um, with when you're choosing somebody's thing that they've written down, I think that's more of like you're trying to figure out um, what the other players have sort of played previously. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of that in that specific game because they don't really come up as much, right? It's true. It's I mean, just... when it's public, but whereas something like things, things in a box, you really do have to try and get a sense of yeah. what people have been writing or so on. Uh, maybe do you have a preference between those things? You know, do, is, is, is the deception part trying to trick people into thinking that this thing that you did is not was actually done by somebody else and who did what game? I think it really depends on what kind of gaming experience that particular table or group that I'm hanging out with is having. Mm. Sometimes it's fun just to be as ludicrous as possible with even with say anything at Cards Against Humanity. I sometimes like to choose the card that doesn't necessarily work, but it's just plain silly. And that <laughs> sometimes can be the more fun thing to do. So for me, it really depends. It's, uh, that's definitely a big part of anything uh, using that Apples to Apples, Cards Against Humanity type engine. Apples to Apples, for those of you in the audience who aren't aware, uh, came out quite a while before Cards Against Humanity. Same game, except it's G-rated. And, uh, well, actually, let, let's talk a little bit about the differences between the, the Apples to Apples, Cards Against Humanity type things and the Things in a Box, Say Anything type games. There's a real divide between the Who Did What games where players make stuff up and the who did what games where players just pick from a list of options and put it in. And something like Apples to Apples or Cards Against, you have a hand of cards and you pick one and that's your answer. And something like Say Anything, you have a question, you have to write down an answer. Same thing with uh, Dictionary or Balderdash, you're making stuff up. And uh, for a lot of people, that's, that's a serious barrier. I've noticed there's a real divide between people who would much prefer just choosing from a list of options or people who would really rather get a chance to make stuff up. You were talking about that earlier, Dan. Um, have, these can have some real pitfalls if you bring the wrong thing to the wrong table. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had tons of times where I've thought snake oil was going to be successful. I teach that all the time at the gallery. Snake gallery. oil, yeah. That's, um, that's the one where you're selling weird products that people don't need. Yeah, it's fantastic. To people. You've got a hand of six cards, and uh, one person draws one that says what they are, like they're a dog or a rock star or a hobo or a police officer or something. Everybody else picks two cards from their hand, and they could be like wind or beard or cave or whatever. And then you pick two, and that's, that's now a product that you're trying to sell to this person. And it's all really about salesmanship. I mean, you kind of pick stuff, but you also have to, to pitch your product in a way that's going to make them want to buy it. I, uh, I started working it into my teaches, actually, that um, I would just draw out two random cards and immediately try to sell an object to that <laughs> so person. So what kind of company do you get there? Um, it's, uh, it's usually turned out pretty well. Earlier on, when I was teaching the game, I would sort of explain how the game played and everything else rather than just diving into it with players. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the time, I'd have a lot of yeah, so uh, I've got some uh, alcohol fences because you uh, want alcohol fences. <laughs> and that would be the extent of the, the sales pitch. So uh, I don't know. That doesn't sound very compelling. Exactly. Somehow. But um, if you sort of ease people into that a little bit, they get more into the game by going, oh, I see. I have to be a little bit creative with these things. I'm not just reading off the cards. Right, I, I like to sell it to tables that have, I've, I see a lot of people playing Cards Against Humanity, humanity and uh, Apples to Apples and... After a while, you notice that they've stopped playing the game and they're just talking. And if they're looking like they are going to stay and they want to play another game, I always bring snake oil over. And then I'm like, basically the same game, but you get to make something. And if they are, are having a good time and they're in that silly mode, um, I'm horrible at snake oil. So I don't try and pitch it the way you do. I've tried it and, and it always fails. But I give them the cards. I give them two random cards and say, okay, 
you sell your friend over there a product and go based on whatever card that they are. It seems to work pretty well in that way. It's just such a big deal. I mean, I, I, Say Anything is not a very complicated game, and neither is Snake Oil. And yet those games can really fall flat if you're with a group of people who just don't feel comfortable with, uh, with, with being creative on the spot. And we did a whole episode about performance anxiety a while back. And it's, it's actually pretty much the scariest possible thing in games for a lot of people. Forget zombies. <laughs> um, like, uh, I remember bringing out Say Anything for a group of five the, just the other day. And within the first turn, they're going, oh, this game is hard. <laughs> and again, it's, it, for them, it was. It really was. Because all you're doing is writing down an answer to a question. That's it. I suppose, like, being someone who was very shy when she was in her teens and mm. now not a problem at all, like, <laughs> it might have been a big issue for me to play, like, any of those games then versus now where I'm just used to being in an environment where everyone's just being crazy, playing board games and being silly. It's a matter of the group, too. Sometimes it's people you don't know super well. Oh, yeah. Being able to know people with these things tends to give you a sort of, sort of edge, almost, because you can sort of guess who played what. You've got a little bit of the backstory, too. You can, exactly. You can put little in-jokes. Yep into the stuff that you make up as just a wink and a nudge and everybody will get it and they'll laugh and it makes the game entertaining. But, um, and obviously, it seems pretty clear the three of us would all very, very much fall into the category of people who prefer the Who Did What games where you get to make stuff up. Uh, who would you recommend Who Did What games to? And obviously you mentioned shy people. So are there any other groups? Like, uh, or obviously you also mentioned people who don't know each other all that well. Any other sort of signs that you look for? in a group at a table where it's like, we probably better stick to the ones where they don't have to make anything up or they're not going to be on the spot. Dude bros um, tend yes. to be uh, hmm. the, uh, the sort that you can recognize them. Interesting. Um, obviously, it's not going to be about shyness in that case. No, it's, it's, it's be... quite the opposite, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, for whatever reason, just having to do that creative content just sometimes falls completely flat. It could yeah. be a false confidence, too. Yeah. Right. So mm. usually they just ask for... Uh, cards against me right off the bat, and I bring it to the table. Simple enough. Yeah. Besides Snake Oil, then, have you uh, have you got any other favorites in the genre of Who Did What games that you that you really like to bring out? For for me, easily, it's uh, I love Dixit. It's a beautiful, oh, yeah. beautiful art pieces in that game. The cards, you you each uh, pick one based on a, a word or a phrase or a theme. It could be anything from like Pharaoh to embarrassed or you can just do a hand gesture or something uh, or anything and then you everyone kind of picks a card in their hand that's very similar to that and you have to guess whose was the the uh the storyteller i like to say or active player right let's see and what's what, what's what's most amazing about dixit is that art mm -hmm. i mean every single card is different those weird whimsical dreamlike sort of images so many ways you can interpret any of those pieces of artwork it's just that's what makes it fantastic is the, uh, the creativity you can invest in it as well. And unlike something like uh, Cards Against or Apples to Apples, if you keep playing with the same cards over and over again, you, you have to actually get more creative. Yes. Because you have to find ways of expressing the ideas on those cards that people haven't heard of. Otherwise, they're just going to guess automatically and you're not going to do so well. That's, that's really the key to Dixit, isn't it? The bit how if, if everybody guesses right, if everybody can tell immediately from your clue which card they're supposed to pick, then you failed. You were too obvious. But... That's sort of that enjoying thing, right? That's exactly. part, of, part of that fooling one person instead of all of the people. And that's a little bit different. Exactly, because if you're you trying pick, to get if, if all of them get it wrong, it's just as bad. Precisely. So it's 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 watching that line, that borderline, just like you say. Um, any others worthy worthy of a mention here? I mean, obviously Dixit is one that we love a lot because it's so unique and uh, different. We play so many of these things. Not so much. Not so much. I'm not a big fan of this this genre. That's true. So much, right. so. 
I, uh, th there's one that I'm, I'm hoping we might be able to get for the cafe at some point called Wise and Otherwise. It's out of print. It's pretty much impossible to find, but I'd love to see it if we could get it. It's very much like dictionary or malarkey or something. Malarkey is the same thing as dictionary, only instead of giving you a word, you have to make up a phony definition. They'll give you a question, and you have to make up a phony answer. So, like, why are tennis balls fuzzy? Or <laughs> why do pirates wear earrings? And you get points if you guess the right one. You get points for each of the other players who thought that yours was the right one. Wise and Otherwise does that with folk sayings. So they'll give you the first half of a folk saying from some part of the world. That's cute. And you have to make up an ending for it. Ooh. It's really neat because, well, folk sayings are weird. And it really kind of gives you license to get weird with your answers that you make up. And the other thing that's cool about it, too, is that at the end of each round, the, the, the person who read out the card will tell you what part of the world that saying comes from. And so it's this fun little cultural anthropology bit thrown in on top of a really simple, clever, who did what game. Huh. But uh, if, I, I imagine some of our listeners might also be interested in the Big Bang Theory party game. It's basically just playing apples to apples, except one of you, when it's your turn, you have to actually be one of the characters from the show in character. So you have to pick what... Howard Wallowitz would pick? Yeah. Sheldon Cooper? Pretty much. Ooh, I like that. That takes a different spin on your average typical like franchise it trivia does. game. Because playing in character as somebody else. I mean, the, the, big, the big thing <laughs> about the apples to apples type stuff is that it's not about putting in the right answer. It's about playing to the judge, right? Putting stuff that they would pick. So... This just adds another nice little dimension. I actually kind of like that. That's cool. You have to bring it out next time. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. It's the... Well, I find, though, at the end of the day, like, <laughs> as much as some of us may not like certain games, uh, I've learned to just bite my tongue because I can tell for the better part of the table they're going to love that game. Oh, and yeah. I'm always trying to, like, find the gateway game that seduces them into board gaming, especially with my friends. And, uh, and that's always going to be different for, for each. And, 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 and it's like, in a lot of cases, it's like a series of games, like a path. You know, what's the next stone along the path that can lead them along this way? And, uh, you know, something like Dixit can lead them from Cards Against into something a little bit more game-like, and then from there... All the way to Mice and Mystics. Oh, <laughs> beautiful game. We're going to have to do an episode about Mice and Mystics someday. Indeed. In the meantime, thanks for listening, everyone. Till then, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Mandy Jelsma. Hey. And Dan Lego. See you later. Game on. And thanks for listening. We'll have a new Snakescast for you every week at snakesandlattes.com. In the meantime, you can follow us through your favorite social networking sites, such as Facebook and Twitter, or best of all, meet our gurus in person at Snakes and Lattes in Toronto. Until then, this is P.T. Douglas. Game on.